We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. That's Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll, and we are ready to rock and roll. You know, Ryan, not doing game, not doing like post game shows and upon further reviews. It kind of feels like I haven't seen everybody for a while. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yesterday, I almost wanted to jump into your recruiting show because you know it's like I hadn't done a show since Friday. I'm not used to taking that many days off, but you guys did a great job yesterday talking recruiting. Today we're going to talk about the Notre Dame team, and then we're going to dive in and we'll talk about the offense. Tomorrow we'll talk defense, and of course after the show we'll have a mailbag. But I think the offense is a is a very intriguing topic of conversation right now, Ryan, because honestly this group is going to look a lot different, and that's just kind of how bowl games are going to be now for a lot of teams moving forward. You know, you're seeing all these opt outs. I mean. You know, Notre Dame's had some big name opt-outs. The number of opt-outs has not been nearly as great as what South Carolina's gone through. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're seeing this all over the place. Ohio State not having one of their best receivers decided not to play and get healthy and ready for the draft. I mean, this is just the new normal in college football. I don't like it, but it's it is what it is. And then, of course, for Notre Dame, it's unique as well, right? Because not just who they're losing, but then who they're getting back. Mm-hmm. And so the reality is, is Notre Dame can't be the team they were all season. They can't be the team they were all season on offense. They don't have the same personnel. And honestly, it would be a wasted opportunity of 15 practices plus a bowl game to do that. So what we're going to talk about today is sort of what we want to see from the offense and what the expectations should be for the offense heading into the bowl game and what we want to see from them out of the bowl game as they go into next season. Because I truly believe, Ryan, that in a lot of ways, this matchup against South Carolina was a really good one for Notre Dame. It's an SEC opponent. It's, you know, it's a it's somewhat of a name. It's not like a high-level SEC team, but it is an SEC team that had some big wins down the stretch. They're ranked higher than Notre Dame in two of the three polls that came out, you know, and it's a chance to kind of go out and get a win. But for the Notre Dame offense especially – they weren't winning games this year because of their defense. And so that's a matchup that's favorable puts it to Notre Dame. But I feel like also this is the kind of game that can send this offense into the postseason or into the offseason 
with a lot of much needed momentum. And I think when you look right. at the way the season ended and just sort of the, well, let me rephrase the way the season went offensively, which is the constant up and downs, more struggles than successes. And then ending the season the way that they did, couldn't run the football, couldn't make the big plays when they needed it. And ultimately losing to their rival for the first time since 2016, right? Mm-hmm. This team needs some momentum. And I think this game gives them an opportunity to really sort of take that next step and say, hey, look, we're going to go into this offseason with a ton of momentum. And guys are going to sort of say, hey, I'm ready to take this next step. And that's going to be an interesting part of this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I, I think it's even more interesting, Brian, because when you talk about what Notre Dame has lost off of the team so far from early declarations and players that are entering the transfer portal, it's not a huge volume, to your point, right? But it is very important for ball players. And kind of penciling in on offense, we knew that the one identity that Notre Dame stuck to for the majority of the season is and when we're passing the football, 87's our guy, right? Like we know Michael Mayer is that dude. And the one positive, though, the blessing in disguise, I guess, because, you know, I would have loved to see Michael Mayer one more time. But, of course, we understand the reason for not wanting to play this football game. It makes total sense from Mayer's perspective. But the blessing in disguise is that you kind of get an early glimpse on what does the 2023 version look like? Because it's going to have to look a little different, right? You're not going to be able to – I mean, you're going you're gonna to have – Better. Yeah, better. I Whether mean, it has gonna, to or not, it needs to. It needs to, yes. Sure. Because you, you're going to have quality tight ends, but there's not going to be a single entity at tight ends that you say that's the guy we're force-feeding all the time, right? Your identity is going to be different with guys like Tobias Merriweather, in theory, right? Deion Colsey, your offense is going to look structurally just different just based upon the personnel that you're going to boast. So you get to keep the positives from the 2022 season, the running backs, the offensive line, in, in almost in its entirety. We'll see what happens with Jared Patterson. But if he does play, then you're going to talk about your full offensive line, talking about your running back crew. You're talking about your young guns at wide receiver, the the trees that we've been calling them over the last few weeks. And you really start to get a glimpse into what the identity can possibly look like. Sure. So I again, I think it's exciting, man, because it's a it's almost like a reset and a little bit of a preview to what we can see into the spring, into next fall, into the 2023 season. You're going to see something that's going to look completely different. And I think sometimes different is needed obviously and i'm excited to see what it looks like when when they face off against south carolina well it's certainly going to look different because at the 
the top of this, obviously, is there's going to be no Michael Mayer. You know, and that's a big part of what this off. I mean, this offense was completely built around Michael Mayer this season, and it, it should have been. I mean, he was their best player by far on offense, and we're seeing it with all the the postseason honors and those type of things. And, and the tight end position wasn't always the deepest because of injuries, but it was still deep enough to where they felt that that's what they could do. There were limitations of quarterback that the coaching staff clearly felt warranted them to spread the ball out, you know, spread the, uh, not, not spread the ball around as much, not to spread things out as much to focus on being more of a, a really, really emphasizing the run game, really tight personnel, tight alignments mm-hmm. and pound the football. And that's what they felt they had to be. I don't think that's ultimately who Tommy Reese wants to be because we haven't seen that from him in three years. I doubt in year three, he finally says, now I get to do what I've always wanted to do, which is just run the ball all the time and throw it 15 times and, you know, and, and do those. I just don't think that – I think that's what he felt they needed to do. Now, we could quibble and argue about whether they should or shouldn't have gone that way. That's the direction they went. Well, they don't have that guy anymore. So yeah. there is no more Michael Mayer. There is no more best tight end in college football uh, that you can build around now. And then, of course, you say, okay, well, you still have talented tight ends. Well, Eli Raritan's out with an injury. Kevin Bauman's out with an injury and Kane Barong just announced he's going in the portal yesterday. So mm-hmm. you're really down to, as far as we know, now I, I don't know if they've updated the status of Kevin Bauman, but my understanding was, is his was a season ending injury. Mm-hmm. You're down to two healthy tight ends. One of the being a freshman who has like what one career catch and mm-hmm. the other one is a sophomore with what two career catches. So I, I would hope that Tom Reese is smart enough to not say, hey, let's continue to do what we have been doing with Michael Mayer, with Mitchell Evans and Hate Holden Stays. Right. Does that mean that they can't be key parts of the game plan? Not saying that at all. They need to be because this is always going to be a, an offense that utilizes the tight ends effectively. But it can't be an offense that says, hey, we're just going to do what we've been doing all year. And I think that's the biggest thing. Before we get into Buckner and some of the other receivers and stuff, the reality is I don't see how Notre Dame could – at all look at themselves and say, hey, we're going to keep doing what we've been doing when you consider the fact that they, they're they not going to have Michael Mayer. And we don't know about Jarrett Patterson. We don't know about Josh Lug. Those guys have not announced that they are not playing in the game. So until they do, I'm going to assume that they are going to play, just for argument's sake, mm-hmm. until they say otherwise. But I hope that they play because I would love to see Tyler Buckner get a chance behind the offensive line being healthy and playing yes. the way it did for most of the season after the Cal game, it really took them till the fourth game, the the second half of the third game before they finally started to show some potential. And mm-hmm. then of course broke out in game four and became one of the, one of the better lines in the country, in my opinion, down the stretch. Yep. And I want to see Tyler Buckner behind that, but at the very foundation of it though, is your identity as a football team this year was very clear. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say, oh, they don't have an identity. No, they had very much had a very clear – this is one of the most clearly ide- – you know, this is what the identity was, and it was more clear this year than it has been for many years. Now, we may not have liked it. We Some people may not have liked it. Some people thought they should have done this. I had my concerns and issues that we raised throughout the year, but there was no question about what the identity was. Our objections were more about how you went about carrying out that identity. Was the questions, but you can't you can't live that identity out without Michael Mayer because he was the perfect complement to the running game and and the backs and all those type of things. You could you could protect the run game with him in ways that, with all due respect to Mitchell Evans and and Holden Stace and 
if Eli Raritan was healthy and it would be true for him, it'd be true if Kane Barong was still here. You're not going to be able to replicate what Michael Mayer does because Michael Mayer is one of the best to ever do it at Notre Dame at that position. And it's not just a plug and play situation. It is, okay, we can't be that team anymore because he's not there. So what is it going to look like? And that's the biggest decision that they're going to have to make heading into this bowl game. I mean, it's, and it's going to be fascinating too, Brian, because I mean, we saw a heavy dose of 12 personnel this year, right? We saw a lot of two tight end sets. And I mean, even outside of Michael Mayer, just the identity of kind of feeding through the passing game to Michael Mayer with Bauman out, with Kane Barong in the portal now, with Eli Raritan Hurts, with only two healthy tight ends, and I guess three if you want to count David Sherwood. Right. You're in, you're in a situation. Kind of more yeah, of a fullback full, than a tight end. That's why we don't ever mention him in this conversation because yeah. he's more of a fullback right. H-back than a yes. lining up at a, you know attached to the end of the line blocking nine techniques. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, right now with only two true tight ends that are healthy in this game, I mean, if you come into this game and say, you know, we're still going to run a lot of 12 personnel. Well, I mean, you're one injury away from literally not being able to do that anymore. Right. right? Like and you're not going to play two guys in a large, you know, 100 percent of the 12 personnel snaps. Right. Like it, it's just that's asking a lot of guys that are a freshman and Mitchell Evans, who became the unquestioned tight end two down the course of the season. But even he was a guy that missed a portion of the season to begin with, with coming off of an injury too. So and you're asking a lot of, uh, you're asking heavy workload on two players that one is inexperienced at Holden stays a younger player. And then Mitchell Evans, that was limited at points early on in the season because of coming off of a, a, you know, a preseason injury. So it's asking a lot of those guys just in general. And I think that when you look at this team, it's not fair to them. Right. Like it's not fair to them for one, because that would just be unrealistic expectations. But then two, it, it, I mean, can you be an offensive guy, Brian, or can you be a coach and look at that situation and say, I am doing what's best for this offense right now? If that's the the nuance that you decide to go in with this game of like, hey, we're just going to keep leaning on the tight ends like you're setting yeah. them up for failure. That's not it's just not a realistic expectation that you can put on guys like Stace, like Mitch Levins right now. Should they be a part of the game plan? To your point, absolutely. And they could be very successful in the roles that you give them. But let's not just act like losing Michael Mayer is not a loss in this football game. Yeah. It is. Everyone knows that. Now, it to extent to get away from that loss and to take pressure off of it, let's steer into other parts of your team that right. may be a strength for you. That's right. where we're going and, now. And that's kind of the deal. But But before we get there, Ryan – the other part of it is, is we, we have to acknowledge before we kind of get into what the expectations are, we're acknowledging what this offense is going to look like. And the, another big change, and this is what have been true if Michael Mayer was back or not, is Tyler Buckner's most likely going to be the quarterback, barring a set a physical setback. He's going to be the quarterback. And if Steve Angeli plays, I think this still remains true. And that means that the offense is going to look different. You know, Drew Pine managed the offense the way that he he needed to manage the offense. The reality, however, is that he was limited at times in what he could do. There were parts of the game that he was not just he just was not good at, or the staff didn't feel comfortable allowing him to really do a whole lot, which we'll dive into here in a little bit. But you've got Tyler Buckner step into the mix and and the biggest question that the staff has to 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 discuss is how much of Tyler Buckner are we going to allow people to see? Now, that's not referring to the snaps standpoint, but part of it's also referring to, you know, Mike Marcus Freeman said in his most press conference, they're not going to allow him to have contact before the bowl game. 
You don't just go out there and not and do that and then say, well, and we're just going to run the same offense we ran the first two games where he was the driving force of the run game. You're not going to see that either. And so what the two type of offenses you saw this year from Notre Dame, you can't see in the bowl game. One, because a guy is missing who was a very – the heart of that, if we're being honest. And uh, the other one, because that guy – you cannot ask that kid after the injury he had to come out now having sped up his his recovery process, which was a huge plus, and then throw that off by running him 15 times again right? like you did at the beginning of the season. So no matter which offense we're referring to, we can't see that in this bowl game. Now that mm-hmm. begs the question – so what version of Tyler Buckner are we going to see? Because the, the the interesting aspect of that is for all the crap that Tyler Buckner catches from fans, the reality is his supporting cast was not very good in the first mm-hmm. two games. It wasn't very good for most of the Cal game. You know, when Drew Pine stepped in, it really took this team four games to really find its, its sweet spot. Logan Diggs was coming back from injury. He ended up not even playing against, was it, was it Cal he didn't play against because of just how bad he looked against Marshall? I mean, we at the time yeah. we were advocating you need to sit this kid out until he gets his head right because his clearly his shoulder was concerning him. Not that he wasn't playing hard, but like there was the block against Marshall, if you remember, where the guy was coming and he turned all the way around to try to throw his left shoulder and mm-hmm. or his right shoulder into the kid because that wasn't the shoulder he hurt. He missed the Cal game, and I think that was the that allowed Logan to kind of get his head right. Mm-hmm. And when he came back out of that missed game against Cal, he was a completely different player than he was the first two games. He was different. Mm-hmm. Estime started to find his groove. The play calling started to find whatever Tommy Reese felt was comfortable with, even some of it we didn't necessarily always agree with. And then, of course, later in the season, you see Tobias Merriweather step up and start playing more. You see Deion Colsey, who was hurt when Tyler Buckner was was playing at the beginning of the year. I mean, they were riding Matt Salerno you know, in, in the first couple games as one yeah. of the key pass catchers. I mean, they threw two very important passes to Mike Matt Salerno in that Ohio State game. He made a catch on one and then had the offensive penalty. He made a, Let me rephrase. He made a great catch on one mm-hmm. and then had the offensive pass interference on the other. And so the offense looked completely different in the first two games than it did now. And I want to see sort of how they feel Tyler Buckner has evolved as a player, how the offense has evolved, and see how those two things go together. And, and that's going to tell us a lot about what this offense is going to look like. I think the big thing for me, however, is I think the first thing that I look at, Ryan, is we know, the one thing we know about Tyler Buckner, there's one for sure thing that we know about him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he can stay healthy the rest of his career. I don't know what kind of passer he's going to turn into. I don't know how well of a leader he's going to be. We haven't seen enough of him. I don't know a lot of things about him. There's one thing I know. Tyler Buckner's a dynamic runner. I know that. I don't need Mm -hmm. to get that proven again in the bowl game and the risks that come with it for this game. Give him another, you know, eight months to heal his shoulder between now and August before you really expose him to being that guy again, if you do. Right. So I don't need to see that. What I need to see as Notre Dame hits good looks to the transfer portal for a quarterback to come in and compete with this group, as Kenny Minchie gets ready to arrive next fall, what I need to see is can the run game without can the run game thrive with Tyler quarterback with him not being the focal point of it. Need right. to see that. Mm-hmm. And then number two, can Tyler Buckner manage an offense 
without having that as part of what he does. Mm-hmm. And those are going to be the keys because there will be, if if Tyler Buckner is ever the guy again at Notre Dame, whether it's 2023, 2024, any other time down the road, because the interesting thing is he gets got his red shirt back this year. Even with the bowl game, he get his he got his red shirt back that he lost for being the rotation guy last year. So he saw mm-hmm. three more years after this. Right. If he's going to be the guy again, there are going to be teams that can take his legs away. Mm hmm. And when Ohio State did that, he didn't have a lot to go to. When Marshall kind of did that because of his teammates weren't playing well, he didn't have anything to go to. Mm-hmm. And even as the rest of the unit improves, there's still going to be good enough defenses. Georgia, Ohio State, you know, down the road, Michigan, if they play them, teams that they're going to play in championship settings, they're going to say, hey, we're not letting 12 beat us with his legs. Can Tyler Buckner sit in the pocket and make the decisions with his head and with his arm to say, okay, cool. You want to take that away? I got something for you. That's what we don't know about Tyler Buckner. That's what he didn't show in his role last year, and that's what he didn't get a chance to show in his first two games and because of the lack of time to throw. And then in the few instances where he did have time to throw, had mm-hmm. some mistakes that were costly. And so to me – like what expectations, what I want to see from this offense. I want to see Tyler Buckner be given an opportunity to stand there in the pocket and say, I'm going to read this. I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to get the ball out. We have to know going into the spring, if he's capable of doing that to any kind of degree. And that's the biggest thing out of this bowl game before we get into specifics, Ryan is we need to find out what Tyler Buckner is made of as a college quarterback when it comes to sitting in the pocket making the right decisions and throwing the ball with the right decision, the right timing and accurately. Those are things that we've seen from him in practice, but that doesn't mean a dang thing. We need to see it on Saturdays and this is going to be, well, technically this is going to be what a Friday we need to see it on game days. Okay. And that's what this bowl game presents him an opportunity to do. Right. So that's the biggest thing is that's going to be a big, change and a big dynamic of this game i highly doubt that notre dame's going to say look let's just get out of this game let's run the ball 13 times and have tyler handoff all day and let's get out of it that way i have to feel like they're going to want to see a little bit of what they have with tyler which is why they're starting him in the first place if they just wanted to run the ball and get out of this game they would have kept drew pine as a starting quarterback Mm -hmm. i gotta think they want to see what tyler has to offer before the transfer shows up in the spring I think that this game for Buckner is two things for me, Brian, because I, I agree completely. Notre Dame is Notre Dame is in a better position to put things around him that were a lot better than they were the first two games. Like we, we mentioned the offensive line struggles. They weren't able to run the football in the first two football games that Tyler Buckner played. And now you're seeing some of those young wide receivers, the Deion Colsey's, the Tobias Merriweather's, start to get more playing time, right? You now see more, a little more talent on the outside for Notre Dame, along with Jaden Thomas and Lorenzo Styles and, and those types of guys that we knew coming into the season. But now that you have your running back room running well, now that you have the offensive line playing very well in a lot of spurts of the season throughout the majority of the end of the season, this is a huge opportunity first and foremost for Tyler Buckner. I almost call it like a, this is like a job interview almost, right? I mean, no matter what, no matter what. Not almost, Ryan. Yeah. Lean into that. This that's <laughs> absolutely what this is. Yeah. It's not the end all be all, but it is a it is a very important part of a job interview for 
the starting quarterback job next season. And, and, and so I want people to understand this. If Tyler Buckner goes out there and throws for 350 yards and three touchdowns and they win and he balls out, right? Notre Dame is still going to bring in a grad transfer quarterback because there's a need at the position. You need to strengthen that room with numbers and with talent. You need to continue to do that because we know how important the quarterback position is. But what this is, is an opportunity to show that Tyler, when things are right around him, he can be a really good football player. And he's starting to take that step into the right direction. Again, we don't know what the, his, we don't know what the, future of his injuries is going to be we don't know what the durability is going to look like nobody knows that unless you have a crystal ball your, your law of averages tell you a guy's gotten injured a few times in the past it's probably likely but that doesn't mean that's the end all be all right so, but this is a job interview of sorts yes because we saw that with your tranquil mm-hmm. i mean remember drew tranquil had two devastating season-ending knee injuries early in his career he that's did the he, same knee wasn't it, it or was uh, a different it was knee? both it was both, different yeah yeah. He hurt. He hurt his uh, one knee in 2014, mm-hmm. late in the year, and then he hurt the other knee against Georgia Tech, jumping up Ce- and celebrating, celebrating. a defensive yeah. play in 2015. Yep. Then he comes back in 2016. He's playing safety. 17. He's rover. 18. He plays well. And the only injury he had at that point in time, I believe, he hurt his hand mm-hmm. against Northwestern, which caused him to miss. No, he hurt himself against Navy. Mm-hmm. Which that's when Drew White stepped in. Remember that game out in San Diego? Drew Pine got hurt, or Drew White got hurt. Drew White, Drew Tranquil, a lot too many Drews. Drew Tranquil got hurt against Navy in 2018, and then Drew White started, and then Drew came in. Drew Tranquil came in late against Northwestern when Northwestern was coming back. That's the only other time he got hurt, and mm-hmm. you know he could have played against Northwestern, but they thought they could get out of that game without him. So. Sure. Similar situation, right? It wasn't the same injury twice. It was two different knee injuries. Like, well, I don't know if this kid's ever going to be healthy. He ended up being able to be so. So as you said, it's not an end-all be-all, but we've seen other players have these kind of injuries and they just keep piling up and the kid's just never able to stay healthy. Exactly. We've seen both. Yep. No, we definitely have. And that's a great example of Drew Tranquil for a guy that was able to get past that injury bug. And Man, that was still such a great play in that Georgia Tech game on that corner oh, route. It was a fantastic play. It was such a, I felt so bad for the kid, man. Yeah. I felt so bad. But I, but Brian, I mean, biggest thing, again, it's a little bit of a showing of the resume, right? A job interview of sorts. And the other part of it is, let's be honest, after what Tyler Buckner's been through this year, getting injured in the second game and having a lot of backlash from fans and all those things, kid needs some confidence, right? Like he needs it. This is a game where you can give him some much needed confidence because I think people forget just because of what the results have been so far. Tyler Buckner is a really talented quarterback. He's a really talented kid. There's no doubt. And he's a really good kid as well. So just from a general feeling of it, I hope that he has a great performance because of the obvious, right? Like I hope he can get bounced back and be the great quarterback because he's super talented. The other side of it is that this is a kid right now that needs a pick-me-up. He needs a confidence boost. And going in now into the offseason, into spring practice, into fall, all those different layers of the offseason, if he is really going to be potentially the guy and compete with whoever you bring in here, whether that is a grad transfer or Kenny Minchie or both coming in, he needs to be a confident player. He needs to. So I think that this is an opportunity not only to show that growth can work and that he can be a really good player when everything is going well around him. 
he also gets a little bit of his confidence back. Because I feel terrible for Tyler right now that injuries stink, man. Anytime an injury stops development, that is just a, especially a kid that does it all right. You know, like he's, no one has anything negative to say about Tyler for as a person. Like he's a good kid, good young man, and he's had some bad luck. So I hope just from the general sense of good morals, <laughs> I hope that he has a bounce back game. I hope he's able to show everything that he can as a player. And I hope he starts to get his confidence back. Cause I think if he starts to get that confidence back and he's able to stay healthy, I still think he could be a really good player. So I hope that this is a confidence boost for him in sure. this football game. So let's talk about sort of what this offense needs to look like now with Tyler Buckner and is the quarterback. And, and and honestly, I don't think a lot of it here's the other point. Because of what we just discussed, what we need to see from Tyler Buckner. Look, I'm not saying they can't call run plays for him. If if I'm in a situation where I think this is a heavy crash situation, and I want to run read zone, and I've taught him throughout bull prep, catch the you know, do what you got to do. You get a chance to make one move if there's a guy in the backfield. Other than that, once you get past the line of scrimmage, when contact come near comes near, you're sliding, not diving. You're sliding, right? We've talked about that. If you get near the sideline, maximize your yards and dip out. Don't take a hit, right? Like that. Those are important aspects of it. That's going to look very similar to what I would say the offense should look like if Steve Angeli is a quarterback in this game, right? Because we're going to talk a lot about Tyler Buckner, rightfully so, but what if Tyler has a setback? What if Steve Angeli has a great bull prep period? You know, I think the offense needs to look very similar, just no matter who's a quarterback of those two. If one of those two kids is going to be in the game or both are going to be in the game and they're both going to be given a chance to go out and see and, and battle for the starting job in the spring – with a transfer, which Notre Dame is pushing hard for, and there's some questions about that that we'll we'll get to here in a little bit. But the, the offense is going to look similar, Ryan. And mm-hmm. so we're going to talk a lot about Buckner because that's the anticipation of who we think is going to be starting quarterback. But it is a scenario where if Steve Angel is the quarterback, these things still hold true, in my mm-hmm. opinion, because you're not going to have – the quarterback runs because Steve Angeli is a good enough athlete where if you're in a third and two and they're crashing hard backside, you call, you know, duo or inside zone with a read option. He can pull it and move the chains, right? 100%. He's a good enough athlete to do that. I mean, we saw that at the end of the blue gold game when he scrambled for the mm-hmm. game winning touchdown was not Steve Angeli throwing the ball. It was Steve Angeli running the ball, right? He's, he's also pretty comfortable on the move in general, Brian. Like I remember the spring practice that we were at when he had to run, throw on the run, like he's pretty comfortable with movement it, to be honest. So, so we'll, we'll see how that kind of plays out. But I, I think first of all, run game, mm-hmm. I think we need to see a little bit more diversity from the run game. So when we talk about what I want to see from Notre Dame offense in the run game, one of the questions that we had, you know, for the, for the mailbag round, which I think is applicable here is, it was a question about, you know, why we only see it's from Gideon Rosa. I love tight ends, but not going to lie, I'm tired of 12 and 13 personnel. Why do we never run it out of 11 and 10? Well, Notre Dame does run it out of 11, just not a lot this year. Mm-hmm. They have run it out of 11 a lot more in the past. Right. It's just the makeup of this team was they felt that they didn't really have the situation of quarterback, the the production at receiver to be able to do that. And they felt that the way that they needed to run the ball – they needed to get extra gaps created in the offensive line, which you can you which you get out of a second tight end that you don't get out of eleven or ten personnel. Notre Dame's never been a ten personnel team, and ten personnel is definitely not a run alignment you're going to want to see in this game, Ryan. When you're talking about not having your quarterback run, because one of the things that makes running the football out of ten personnel 
doable is the read stuff. I can run power read out of it. I can run read zone out of it. I can run quarterback power out of it, quarterback counter out of it, where now my running back. So like next year, if Tyler Buckner's healthy or they have somebody else, a quarterback who's mobile, I can Mm -hmm. go 10 personnel with Audric Estime and Logan Diggs as my running backs because they're bigger kids and run quarterback counter, you know, with a jet action. I can run quarterback power with those guys. I can do different things like that where, you know, they're serving as lead blockers almost. But mm-hmm. you're not going to see that in this game, in my opinion. And and they would have to dramatically alter who they are as an offense. They can't run their best play out of 10 personnel. You can't run duo out of 10 personnel, I don't think. Not effectively, anyway. You have to be a zone counter team and a read team because you have no gaps. You have no C gaps. It's A and B gaps, and that is it. The C gap is outside. <laughs> so not going to see out of 10 personnel. 11 personnel... I think you do need to see more runs out of. I think that's something we need to see is more diversity from a formational standpoint. I want to see, you know, some motions and shifts, but I also want to see the tempo pushed a little bit more early on with Buckner, especially Mm -hmm. Uh, now, not too much because I, my biggest question with Tyler Buckner is what's his game conditioning going to be like, you know, that's a big thing that, that we're not, we don't talk a lot about Oh, health and all that, but what, what kind of legs is he going to have underneath him by the fourth quarter? So, when I say push the tempo, I'm not saying you're 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 going, but you know, hey, let's get up, let's get the play called, let's get the movement. A lot like we saw against Clemson. Yep. I think those are things. But the bigger thing too, run game wise, is I need to see a lot more diversity of how they attack with the run game. I don't mm-hmm. want to see 12 and 13 personnel duo, 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 duo. Yes, we're gonna see duo. It's okay. It's a good run play if used correctly and executed properly and has some balance. I think the reason we saw the inconsistency of the Notre Dame running game this year, and that was one of the more, you know, we'll spend a lot of time breaking this down more specifically in the offseason, Ryan, but just generally speaking, people say, you know, how can Notre Dame run the ball so good one week and so bad the next? So here's what Notre Dame did their last six games. They had rushing, actually the last, let's go last nine games. They had games of 287, 281, 263, 234, 223. And then the other three games, it was 150, 90, and 66. It's a really mm-hmm. big difference. There's no happy medium, really. And the reason why is when teams could take that one thing away, that duo concept away, they had not, nothing else that they could comfortably turn to because it was very clear that they hadn't repped the other stuff enough to be good at it as a base run. Mm-hmm. That needs to change in the bowl game, right? Duo is great. Love duo. Fine. Use it. Okay. But we need to see counter used more effectively. We need to see the inside zone used more effectively as a balance and a counter to duo, right? Not just mm-hmm. a counter play, the actual counter play, but counter in the small C counter uh, to duo. And we need to see a more effective outside running game, whether mm-hmm. it's toss, whether it's outside zone, not stretch but a pure outside zone, a pure pitch toss, something where, you know, you're using, you're using Tyler Buckner's legs as a, as a weapon, you know, you kind of fake that pitch and then kind of pull up or not his legs, but his ability to throw sort of off platform as a weapon, which we've seen from him. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw this, this was the the touchdown pass he threw against Toledo last year where they were kind of, he was either going to pitch it or pull up and and throw it over the top. And that's kind of what he did. So we've seen him do that. You can run that that you couldn't run before. There's and if they stay back, then you just you can still pitch it. 
mm-hmm. there's things like that that we need to see more of, Ryan, where we need to see a, a much greater diversity of the run game. I don't think, and this ties into the, the intro, I don't think it would be wise for them to think they can just go into this game and run a million duo plays out of mm-hmm. a bunch of different 12 and 13 looks like they did during the season. I think that's a missed opportunity. I think that limits you as an offense. And and I think without Michael Mayer, it's not going to look nearly as good as it did. And maybe you can still win the game. I'm not saying you can't win the game, but you're not going to get the type of play out of this offense that you need to, to really go. Cause it's not just about winning. It's important, but it's about really starting to establish who you're going to be in 2013, 2023. Cause your identity right. in 2022 is gone. Uh, and it's currently, I don't know if it's in Kentucky or if it's already started working out somewhere else, but your identity left and Michael Mayer left. Sure. That's okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to start saying, okay, what do we think it's going to look like next year? And those are going to be keys. Yeah. No, I mean, we, we've been calling for diversity in the run game every single week for the last like eight weeks, right? Even when Notre Dame has run the ball well, I still felt like at times, Brian, I mean, he, Again, we talked about how good the running backs look this year, you know, during the most strict, the, the majority of the season. I mean, Audrick Estime just keeps getting better. Logan Diggs was playing great football at the end of the season, kind of really getting back into form after the early injury in the season. We've seen Chris Tyree be effective when used correctly. But honestly, I, I, I guess some people will find this like a hot take-ish, I guess, but I don't feel like the running backs were always utilized the best of their ability, if I'm being completely honest. Like, I don't – I. Look, Audrick Estime is a great duo runner. There's no doubt. He's a physical downhill kid, duo, power. Like, all those things make sense for him. But I also don't think that's all he can do, right? And and I've talked about this a ton. If I'm a defensive coordinator going against an offense, the more predictable you are, the easier you are to defend. Like, that's just point blank period to it, right? So if you're only showing me one or two run plays all game, you know what I'm going to prepare for? You know what I'm going to be ready for? Like it's 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 basic stuff, guys. It's like if you know what to expect going into a job interview or a day at work or whatever it is, you know how to attack it better. You know, you know your plan of attack. That's just it's basic principles. And I feel like Aldrick Estime was at times limited because of the diversity. I feel like Logan Diggs at times was limited because of the diversity. Logan Diggs can run duo, sure, but he's also I mean, he can be a really good zone runner. Like he can, he can, he has that profile where you say he can do a little bit of everything. Chris Tyree, I mean, the, the speed he has, we don't even need to talk anymore about it, right? Like he's a guy that you want to try to get in space, maybe run some outside zone, stretch at points, like those different things. So I don't he's think he's a zone they, counter guy. I mean, that's the yes. thing in the past. Chris Tyree has had his greatest success as a zone counter guy. Yes. And t- somebody just made a, a point, Ryan, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Walsh said this. He said they use Tyree the same way they use Estime, and that's the problem, right? They use all, now. I did. I do feel like with Logan Diggs, they started to do more with him late in the year with the toss, mm-hmm. with some of that stuff. But sure. to your point about Estime, it's just like okay, this is what you do. You're a, you're a duo, occasionally a counter guy. Mm-hmm. Now I think Estime is at his best when he's running tackle to tackle. Okay. However, to your point, when that's all he does. It's a lot easier to kind of have a plan when he's in the game. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Now you can't have three different, completely different run games for every kid. Mm-hmm. You need to have your sweet spot. And this to me would be the sweet spot for Notre Dame, essentially. Like you're, you're going to have duo inside zone counter a sort of a, a perimeter t- quick toss 
right? Some something quick where the line doesn't need to get out, just a quick toss, whether it's off a read toss or whatever, a jet sweep, stuff like that. Yeah. And then there's the there's the schemed up outside stuff, a buck sweep, an outside zone, something like that. Those are the things I think they need to have in this mm-hmm. game without the quarterback runs being part of it. And right. and to me, all three of your backs that are going to be healthy can run all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The difference when estimates in the game is your emphasis may be greater here with sure. Tyree, your emphasis is greater there and with Diggs, but they all need to run it. But having all of them capable of doing all of it, to your point, Ryan, take some of that pressure off where Estime has shown he can run for 100 yards against a loaded box. But Absolutely. do you have to do that every time? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? How about you give him some gash runs? And we saw that early. You mm-hmm. know, I remember one of the runs he had early in the season was off of an inside – I believe it was off of an inside zone, Ryan, against Carolina where they had thrown a couple perimeter stuff and had some jet sweeps, and all of a sudden they used Chris Tyree – to go in motion and he does like a swing, the linebacker goes with him and estimate takes that inside zone and he's just right up the middle, right? Because you're using other things to sort of take some of that burden off of him of having to run into nine man boxes. And that's the creativity that we've seen from Tommy Reese in the past that Mm -hmm. we did not see this year. I believe that it's because of how he felt about the personnel and what they were good at, but also where they were limited, especially at quarterback. Well, sure. he can't use that excuse anymore. Not that he would, but you don't have Mayer as your, as your crutch anymore. And you've got your starting quarterback back. I mean, that's the reality of this, right? We're talking about Tyler Buckner. He's their starting quarterback. He was their starting quarterback. He won it all last offseason. You're wait, getting wait. him back. Brian, Jimbo you know? Fisher told me that Haynes King was not his starting quarterback anymore. I don't know what you're talking that, about. That flipping guy. But – the 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 difference is, is at least in his insane world, Haynes King got beat out. Tyler Buckner didn't get beat out; he got hurt. Right. Uh, but I, I don't even think Jimbo would be that. Yeah, never mind. I was going to well, give well, him credit, well, but well, yeah, he, Brian, he may be. But Brian, can I kind of compare this though to like a different facet that maybe people sure. would understand? Like, so what I'm saying here is, yes, there are things that the, each running back do well that should be kind of their specialized area, but. I mean, I quantify it to like what we've talked about with Michael Mayer in the past, right? Michael Mayer could be a short to intermediate guy that's a stick runner, that's an option route runner, and he could do that all day. And he's done that his entirety of his career. But we were calling, even with how great he is, that like, hey, let's get him down the seam a little bit, right? Let's bust the seam occasionally. Let's maybe run a deep over route. Because the more that you show, the more a team has to defend, right? Mm -hmm. And the more a team has to prepare for. That's all we're talking about. And that'll make things even more successful right. and more consistent. I mean, Audrey Guest may ended up averaging what 5.7 or something in that ballpark. Sure. Pro- probably averages 6.0 if you don't know what's coming for him. Sure. Right. Like that's just kind of where it comes down to. So I think diversity and just utilizing every asset of your running game is big, right. especially if you don't know what you can get from Tyler Buckner right. as a runner, because that's right. one hindering factor that you have. Right. That's where I think using all these guys differently. You know, Chris Tyree only needs five or six cut catches, but let him average eight to ten uh, runs. But let him average eight to ten yards on those runs, right? Because of how you're using him, you know, in the twenty-one personnel. So those are so that's kind of the run game wise. I do want to see a little bit more diversity. And if your team plays out to where maybe you can run more duo next year, that's fine because it's always going to be that way to a degree. You're going to go to certain games, say, hey, this team. Uh, based on how they play, we're going to use this something else a little bit more this week, right? Or, hey, we don't have so-and-so for this game, so we need to be able to rely on our other stuff. 
and you didn't just start implementing that other stuff that week because that guy got hurt the week before. It's a part of who you are. And that's kind of, you know, that, and that's how practice is sometimes. You know, you you may counter maybe a big part of your, you know, maybe a, a base run for you, but there's going to be some weeks you don't really practice it a whole lot because it's not a part of what you're going to do that particular weekend. But you still have it in your back pocket in case the adjustments happen in the game where, you know, hey, look, they're doing something different and we can go to that, but we haven't completely abandoned that. And it's not been a month since we ran it. It's it, We're always working on those aspects of it. And I think that's, again, that's what hurt the offense this year is when teams could kind of take duo away, they didn't have anything else to turn to. And at least decent teams. And and Navy did it. Navy's got a very good run defense. USC did it. They don't have a good run defense. But they could just overwhelm Notre Dame's offensive line with numbers. And and that's, you you know, look, yeah, and I know, oh, Notre Dame beat them with the pass. I get that. But you should still be able to find ways to run the football. Right. You know, they did that stuff against Utah, and Utah still found ways to run a football. And how do they do it, Ryan? They got the ball outside. Mm-hmm. They blocked down and got the ball outside, which is exactly what we said that Notre Dame should have done, right? When they bring those inside pressures, block it down, get outside, you know, with counter trays, with buck sweeps, with things like that. In and pull. Uh, it, it, yeah. Right. And that's what they did. And I know it's in the Notre Dame offense. We've seen them do it to a degree. Mm-hmm. But those are different aspects that you need to start seeing a little bit more of as complements to the duo stuff. Yes. Right? Because, like, it's like this. If I'm a three technique, I know that if they're running a duo, I'm probably getting punched in the face by Blake Fisher and the guard, the right guard, right? So I'm bracing for it. And if I'm a linebacker and I see Blake Fisher step down into the B gap, I'm thinking here comes duo and I'm running coming downhill because the read for the back and duo is actually the biggest difference for duo than other runs, in my opinion, is not the blocking scheme. It's the back read. The back's mm-hmm. reading the second level. I don't know of any other runs where that's the primary read that for the back is the second level. And that's the interesting aspect of it. But if I'm that linebacker, I'm thinking, oh, here he comes. But on a buck sweep action, if he's stepping down like normal, but he's now pinning you inside and that guard is now pulling outside. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it gives a similar action to what you do, but now you're kind of, you're doing something a little different or, He's thinking duos coming at you, but in reality, they're running counter at you, and then bam, they're 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 hitting. It. Now they did run counter this year, but it's very often weirdly designed. They were actually bringing the tight end from the play side, which was just really bad. It didn't give the same action, and the timing of the backs was not great with counter. It just was a funky play all year for them. They mm-hmm. need to get that rolling too. But anyway, diversity of the run game—that's the key. That's something we need to see, and I think that will add to the effectiveness of this offense without having to use Tyler Buckner's legs as a a weapon, right? And if Tyler's going to run, it's as a, okay, we just know we're getting the edge on this. You know, it's third and goal, and we know they're bringing everybody and their mother, and Tyler's going to pull it and just walk into the end zone. Right. Those would be You got to pick your spots with it. You got to pick your spots. Exactly. So – you get into the other parts of it, Ryan. And so how do you complement that? Right. So if we're talking about, yes, you're going to still have 12 personnel, but they got to see some 11, 21 personnel is a big part of what I want to see this week. I want to see, or this, this bowl game, I want to see 21 personnel runs. I want to see 11 mm-hmm. personnel runs, but those things in the past game is going to be a big part of it. And I think a, a, a smart thing to do in this game is a lot of RPOs for Tyler Buckner, in my opinion. Yeah. So take a, leave the options there for him to, to pull the ball, but have them be throws, which we've seen him do. I mean, first play of the game against Ohio State, the 54-yard game to Styles was a RPO mm-hmm. where he pulled the ball and got it out. 
So I think without really working on his run game, he should have a lot of more time to work on that aspect of it. So I think that's part of it. But it, it really comes and boils down to not so much RPO specific, but one of the things the staff did not feel great about with Tyler, with Drew Pine, mm-hmm. from what I could gather talking to sources and just watching the film, they did not like him throwing to the perimeter on short to short to short game and screen game. They just, for whatever reason, did not feel comfortable batted passes. He was kind of late decision maker in those situations. So I think that is something that we saw from Tyler Buckner last year, a decent mm-hmm. amount. He, you know, if you think of the North Carolina game, the USC game, he was pulling and throwing bubble screens and pulling and throwing some of the now screens. And I think he threw a bubble screen to Avery Davis against Carolina for a touchdown, mm-hmm. you know, where it was off of an RPO. So it's more about the specifics of the perimeter pass I think is something we need to see a lot more of. So my, what I want to see is that right there. And that's RPOs, that's screen game, that's screen game that are RPOs, right? Those two, those aren't things that aren't always together. And I want to see them using the backs a lot more on, on mm-hmm. quick stuff in this game, Ryan. And tell Tyler Buckner, if you hit your, if you hit the top of your drop, your internal clock better say one, two, three, and you're not taking off. You're checking mm-hmm. that sucker down. Right. And let those backs get in space, something that they just didn't do enough in the in the fall. So I think that's a big thing for me, Ryan, as you look what I want to see from this offense. There are weapons in place now. You've got we'll get into specific receivers here as we do this, Ryan, Mm -hmm. with Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey being bigger kids. They're both good blockers. They both blocked very well. Jaden Thomas is a very good blocker during the season. Yep. There's enough size plus athleticism with those three on the perimeter that your now screens, your bubble screens can be effective. Lorenzo Styles started looking more and more comfortable late in the year. Hopefully you can kind of utilize him in some of these type of looks as well. And then, of course, the 21 personnel. I want to see Chris Tyree catch four or five passes in this game. Whether they're out of the backfield or now screens outside, I do not care. I want to see 21 personnel with Chris Tyree catch the ball in the backfield. Those are all different aspects of this offense that I need to see this game where they are threat. Marcus Freeman said at the beginning of the year before the year, we need to be an offense that threatens teams for the width and length of the field. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame was a box team this year. They exactly. rarely threatened people outside of the box. And the furthest they would get is slightly outside the hashes was stuff to Michael Mayer. That mm-hmm. was the width that Notre Dame was a threat for teams this year. You've got the personnel, in my opinion, and the guys are healthy, and the quarterback in place, and the and the running back and Chris Tyree, who will be fresh, who showed in last year's bowl game. If you use him in the pass game, he's pretty flipping good, right? Uh, would you say six catches for 110 yards is good in the pass game for running it's back? Okay. I'd say so. It's decent. So, uh, to me, Ryan, those are things that get if 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 this is going to be your identity. No 12 personnel is everything is your end all be all 13 personnel. Isn't even really much of an option at this point in time. If you're going to run 13 personnel, and I mean, this with all due respect to David Sherwood, but if you're going to run a lot of 13 personnel with David Sherwood on the field for 20 snaps a game and not using your receivers or your second backs on most of those snaps, then you're wasting, you're wasting opportunities to get better and really right. build and being the team you need to see next year. Doesn't mean there's not a role for him, but it needs to be, they be smarter about it than they, and, and not just regurgitate what they did during the year. They have to force teams to defend the width of the field. They didn't do it this year. They didn't feel comfortable, I think, with Drew Pine being that guy. 
he was not a comfortable RPO guy for whatever reason. He was not a comfortable perimeter screen guy for whatever reason. He refused mm-hmm. to throw checkdowns for whatever reason. Those things need to be put back into what you're doing. Because if you can't force, if you can force a defense to defend 53 and a third with Audric Estime and Logan Diggs at running back, your running game is going to be virtually unstoppable. That or you're going to complete 87% of your passes for 350 yards <laughs> and, and because teams just still refuse to get out of the box. Either way, you're going to score a lot of points and be really good. And that's what we need to see first and foremost with the pass game is the width part has to be a part of what they're doing, Ryan. Well, I mean, you saw you saw it against USC, Brian. You remember when they did hit a check down against USC to Audrey Estime? It went for like 30 yards. <laughs> right. Just like no one has eyes on him, man. Like it's just been like that too, where it's just if a defense doesn't feel threatened, they're not gonna they're not gonna look at it, right? Like that's just kind of where it is. And I, I think that it's a tremendous point on your part. The screen game, because we're calling for what are we calling for, folks? We're saying your tight end position, you're losing your best football player for this game right was your best offensive player bar none you also don't have depth at tight ends so personnel wise let's spread the field a little bit more right let's get a little more 11 a little more 21 those types of things so naturally as you get more spread out you're trying to take advantage of space you're trying to create space for yourself screen game plays right into that conversation rpo game plays right into that conversation that's why you're trying to spread teams out. And honestly, Brian, like it's a numbers game, right? At the end of the day, the defense, if Notre Dame does do this and they come out with a lot, ton more 11 personnel, for instance, right? And South Carolina at times is still going to try to sneak an extra guy in the box because they understand that for the entirety of this football season, Notre Dame has been a running football team that wants to make their bread and butter, running the football, getting downhill. So they're going to try to sneak that player, extra player in the box occasionally, which makes your defense unsound. And when it's unsound, throw it out to the numbers, get that quick screen out there, and let guys work in space. We've seen it. When Lorenzo Styles is confident and catches the football and he's consistent, he can be a tough guy to corral in space. We've seen what Deion Colsey, Tobias Merriweather have done when they've had opportunities. We've seen in the past what Chris Ty- Tyree can do in space. We've even seen Logan Diggs do some great things in space. Notre Dame has some space players, some athletes to work with. If you're going to lighten the box and run a little bit more, less heavy personnel, you have to take advantage of it and you have to play the space game. Notre Dame has the athletes to do it against, by the way, not great defense, South Carolina. I know we're going to talk about South Carolina today, but they're not a great team defending the pass in general. So having that type of options i think in the passing game for tyler buckner will be big for his comfort and will be big because you have the players that i think you can win this football game with you know ryan i i think the other part of that too is let's talk about those specific players on the perimeter right and that is obviously a big one for me is this is the first time we're going to see tyler buckner on the field really with tobias merriweather and deon colsey you know we we saw a little bit of him with lorenzo styles who he would target, but we just, we haven't really seen him a lot with, we haven't seen him at all with Tobias, with the uh, Tobias Merriweather. And we haven't seen him with hardly at all with Deion Colsey as where he was throwing. There was some snaps together last year, but as we've talked about, Tyler was, Tyler was a runner in those games. And so to me, Ryan, when I look at it, I see a situation where 
I want to see I want to see Tyler Buckner get a chance to throw the ball to the big guys. The reality is, is Tyler Buckner has not proven to be a pinpoint precision passer. He hasn't shown the ball placement that Jack Cohn had, right? Well, what if we said Drew Pine had the same problem? When you've got a 6'4 and a 6'4 and a half and a 6'5 kid out there, you don't have to be as pinpoint with your throws. You know, when your small guy is now 6'195 pound Lorenzo Styles, whereas when the season started, Lorenzo Styles was one of their bigger receivers that was in the rotation. Now Jaden Thomas is your third biggest starter, tall wise, instead of your number one, which is what he was for most of the year. I think that takes a lot of pressure off Tyler Buckner. And, and one thing that I think Tyler Buckner has shown in his career, is he does throw the, a, a really pretty deep ball when he's able to throw in rhythm. It's a lot easier to throw in rhythm to big boys than it is to smaller guys who are getting rammed up, you know, rammed at the line. So I think that's another thing for me, Ryan, is I want to see that those two catching the vertical game as a big part of what Notre Dame is doing in this game, whether it's moving the pocket, throwing action, or just taking shots and throwing it. Because one of the best throws that Tyler Buckner made last year against Virginia Tech was just cover one, hit your third step, let that sucker go to Kevin Austin, bam, perfectly placed on the outside shoulder. His highlight tape is littered with those kind of throws. But he wasn't comfortable doing that this year for a lot of reasons. So just let him throw in rhythm. Let him find rhythm. I think Tom Reese is really good, has been in the past, at scheming up pass plays that get uh-huh. quarterbacks in there. We saw it with Jack Cohn second half of the year last year when the offensive line finally gave his quarterback time to, to throw. Notre Dame ripped people up last year, mm-hmm. phone to football, including a really good Oklahoma State defense. We saw this in 2020. You know, People forget before all the offensive line injuries set in late in 2020, you know, everybody knows I'm, I'm not a, I'm not the biggest Ian book fan in the world. Right. But before that team started having some injuries late in the year on the offensive line, Ian book was starting to really get hot, like mm-hmm. really get hot. He threw for 310 yards against Clemson. He threw for 283 against BC, went 20 of 27. He went 23 of 33 for 279 against North Carolina. He threw for uh, 24 of 37 for 285 against Syracuse. And if you remember in that game, Ryan, they had like three drop misses, just balls dropped. Joe Wilkins dropped the deep ball. Javon McKinley dropped a touchdown in the sun. You remember that one where he was looking up like this? It was a really sunny day, and he just he just lost the ball, hit him in the face. He was starting to play. The pass game was starting to play at a really high level because the offensive line was starting to give him time. They were starting to really click offensively. So we have seen for all the criticism we give Ty Maurice, and a lot of it justifiable and understandable, when he's had a team that had weapons on the perimeter and a quarterback that he felt could be a trigger man and get the ball out and give him and be given time with the line, he has put together some pretty prolific passing attacks, really highly efficient pass attacks. Now, they weren't able to always do it in some of the bigger games, which I think is a byproduct of something else, which we can talk about at a later day, or we don't need to because that guy's not here anymore. But we have seen that from Tommy Reese at times. He didn't have the, he didn't feel comfortable doing that this year because of the personnel, mainly a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I think I want to see him look at Tobias and look at Dion and say, with all due respect to, to Matt Salerno and some of these other guys, that's the future on the outside. Jane Thomas is a guy that you talk about who's going to replace a lot of the production that Michael Mayer brought scheme wise and, and route wise. That's the guy for me in this game that can replace a lot of what Michael Mayer did. The options, the sticks, the, the drags, the overs. Jaden Thomas is the guy that I'd rather see do some of that stuff as opposed to 
Holden Stace or Mitchell Evans. Not that I don't want to see those guys get the ball. I do, but mm-hmm. it's just a little bit, you know, it, I don't know if I necessarily want to make them the focal point as much as I do Jane Thomas. So a lot of Jane Thomas in the slot, a lot of those big guys outside mixing in with, with Lorenzo Styles, sort of being a, a jack of all trade, move them around, getting the ball in space kind of guy. I think those are things I want to see. And that's when Tommy Reese is at his best mm-hmm. for, for, I mean, for, for all the different things we say, when he has been at his best is when he is spreading the field and getting the ball out quickly and getting the ball in space and then designing some level stuff that allow his guys to get guys free. And I want to see him doing that with Tobias. And I think we're finally going to see Tyler Buckner get a chance to do that with an offensive line that can give him time to throw the football. At least I hope. I hope that's mm-hmm. what we see. Because that's where I think we could see some fun in this game is is getting those guys free and letting Tyler hit some open receivers. And, I mean, and we've seen him do it in bowl games. But the interesting thing is, if you go back to his – so Tommy Reese has called – his first bowl game he called was Iowa State. And if you remember correctly, he took over for that game for Iowa State. Ian Book went 20 of 28, completed 71% of his passes and 247 yards, and they kind of called off the dogs late because they had a big lead over Iowa State. You know, then in 2020, I thought the Bama game, I mean, look, say what you want about, about the game, but if you go back and break it down, Ryan, you and I have talked about this. There were guys coming open in the pass game in that game because of the scheme. Now, he didn't have time to throw the ball to him. Ian Book didn't make the decision to get the ball where it needed to go at times. And then, of course, last year we saw in the bowl game against Oklahoma State. So this is the kind of environment where Tommy Reese, you give him a month to prepare, he's been really creative. I hope that continues in this game. And that's partly why I'm sort of cautiously optimistic and looking forward to this bowl game is just looking at the history of what Notre Dame's pass offenses look like uh, in the postseason, especially against teams that aren't like Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. But again, mm-hmm. go break down the all 22 of that game. There were dudes coming open in that game. They just didn't get the ball thrown to them. Sound familiar, right? <laughs> but South Carolina is not Alabama in the past <laughs> defense. They are. They are absolutely not. Brian, you're getting me excited, man, because now I'm envisioning two six four plus guys on the outside. I'm getting like some Reese Stovall, Jeff Samarja, like nostalgia here for a second, which is just getting me super excited, man, because we've been calling, obviously, for these guys, especially Tobias Merriweather, to get a higher amount of snaps and probably would have been at a higher rate if not for the concussion, obviously, that cost him a couple football games, but having this clean slate, having the potential to have Tobias across from Deion Colsey and having those catch radiuses, man, you want to talk about getting a quarterback comfortable to your point, right? Let's throw to those two six four plus guys outside the numbers. Let's get, get those guys involved. I've been able to throw the football down the field in spurts. You, you talked about obviously the great touch throw last year to Kevin Austin. Let's get some of those going, man. Maybe take a shot early. Let's get the rhythm going because there's option in this passing game. I'm, I am very tired, and I'll be completely honest. I'm very tired of the things I see on Twitter and just general media that talk about the lack of talent at wide receiver for Notre Dame. And we've talked about this a ton. I don't think there's a lack of talent at wide receiver at Notre Dame. I don't. Do, do I think depth hasn't been great over the last couple of years? For sure. No question about that one. But I think there's a lot of teams that if Tobias Merriweather or Deion Colsey-type athletes were available, they would – chomp at the bit to try to get those guys a part of their football team, right? And I think that Notre Dame has options in this football game. Those guys, combined with Jaden Thomas healthy, combined with Deion Cole, I mean, with uh, Lorenzo Styles in the slot and working a little bit outside as well, Notre Dame has options in the passing game. So I really do hope 
that there's a concerted effort to come out early in this football game. Let's get a one-on-one matchup. Let's take advantage of things. Let's try to get a chunk play. Let's try to get Tyler Buckner comfortable. Because to your point, Brian, the South Carolina defense is not great. They're already down a couple of their best football players, and the defense wasn't that great to begin with. So there's going to be opportunities. I think that you get Tyler Buckner getting going in this game early, get those Twin Towers involved, and just see what you got, man. Like That's the biggest thing for me is I think there's talent out there. Let's give them an opportunity to succeed and show what they can do, and I'm excited for it because, again, I I think Notre Dame has an opportunity to really kind of open up the passing game a little bit more than we've seen this, se- this season. Hopefully. Yes, hopefully. Hopefully. I think that's the big thing. So I, I'm looking forward to that, Ryan. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what this pass game is going to look like. I want to see more creativity. I want to Basically, I want to see what we've seen in the past from Tommy Reese. That's partly why we were so excited about the season. You know, we looked at – Tobias coming as in a freshman and you have Michael Mayer and you have all these, these pass catchers in the pass game and, and the, or, I mean, out of the backfield, you know, we knew Logan Diggs can catch the ball in the backfield. We knew Chris Tyree who had a hundred yard game in the pass game. The last time we saw him in action coming out of the season, you know, coming out of last season, you know, um, and uh, basically says, uh, you know, look, man, this is going to be – Lorenzo Styles has a 100-yard game to end last season, and there's a lot of excitement about what – and then, of course, we saw what we saw. And, you know, look, it's just one of those things where it just – it never materialized for whatever reason. And I want to get back to that. You know, I want to see that, and I think this bowl game presents an opportunity to do that. So, you know, I think those are those are different aspects of it to me. And, and again, it all has to revolve around being more multiple with your personnel. And 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 being able to look at your your to your team and say, hey, look, this is this is um, this is um, this is who you want to be, right? I think that is ultimately who Tom Reese is want to be. Like, let's think about this. Let's think about this practically for a second. Let's just say that Tommy Reese wants to be a, a coach that wants to run twelve and thirteen all the time, be a downhill runner and just run what we saw this season. Let's say that that's who Tommy Reese wanted to be. Why would they be recruiting the, the class that they are in 2023? Now, we can agree to disagree with him perhaps on maybe they should have some, done some things differently. And I understand where you're coming from, but even in that spirit, I would have maybe done this or that. We can have all those conversations, right? But what you can't do is is tell me that he wants to be that kind of coach when they're recruiting Jade Lamars and Jeremiah Loves, who don't really fit that style. You can't tell me that he wants to be a 12 and 13 personnel, downhill, do a wherever you play guy, and then watch him recruit the receiver class that he's recruiting. There were chances for Nurim to go out and get a second tight end in this class. They didn't do so. Why? Why do they emphasize a second back who's a dual threat guy throwing and running instead of a bigger back or a second tight end, right? You can't, you can't, why did they, why was Kenny Minchie the quarterback they targeted and not a more pro style, big armed guy? And there's plenty out there if what he wants to be is what we saw this season. And that's the point is I know what they did this year. I saw it with my own eyes. I was frustrated by it just like just like you all were. But it looked so much different than what we saw his first two seasons. 
and it looks so much different from what they're recruiting, there's no other explanation that makes sense to me other than whether you agree or disagree with it. He felt that's what this team needed to do because of the limitations it had at quarterback, because of the lack of depth it had at wide receiver. They were constantly a receiver injury away from just not being able to run their offense out of an 11 personal team. And so, again, we can all agree to disagree on with Coach Reese on how it looked, but I can embrace the fact that that's ultimately who he wants to be based on the type of players he's recruited and what we've seen him from the past two years. It, I, I, I just I can't buy it. The only other explanation is, is Marcus Freeman is forcing him to do this, and I have zero intel that suggests that to be true either. Right. And so I can only come to the conclusion that this is what Tommy and the coaches on offense and Marcus Freeman felt this is the best way with what our team looks like right now with a limited backup quarterback and all these other things. This is how we got to win games. And just, you know, let's not put our defense in a bunch of bad spots. Mm-hmm. I don't think ultimately that's who he wants to be. And that's what I think we're going to see a little bit in this game. With Tyler quarterback, I think we're going to see a little bit more. It's not going to look like last year's bowl. I hope it doesn't look like last year's bowl game because I want to see them be able to run the football. Yes. But I think it's going to look a little bit kind of like what we saw late last season in November, where it's very balanced, you know, attacking down the field. You know, Jack was only throwing 27 passes a game. Uh, let me, I'm actually, I'm going to, I'm going to pull up right now, right? Because if you remember that late that year, Jack wasn't throwing a million balls like he did in the bowl game. That was a more, uh, byproduct of of kind of just their complete total ball in that game but if you look down the stretch i mean you know starting with usc his attempts were 28 24 29 20 20 and 35 and mm-hmm. you know he completed his lowest completion percentage in that stretch was 66.7 against north carolina he was over 70 percent in every other game that's why that's who i want who i believe tommy reese wants to be we saw it in the first half against navy we saw it a little bit against USC, and I think that's where I think we're going to see a lot of that more in this game. I think we will see an offense like, oh, okay, that's what we thought this team was going to look like. And we and they kind of tried to do it in the opener, but they just couldn't protect quarterback. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's a part of it as well. Yeah, and it, it'll be – I mean, I don't want to call it a second chance, but like you finally get your offense back to what you thought it was going to look like before the season a little bit, right? Like obviously you were going to count on Michael Mayer, which they did throughout the entirety, but having Tyler back, having the running backs go and having the offensive line playing how we thought they would be playing going into the season. I think that you now have a offense that was going to look maybe a little more what it was supposed to look like going into the season, which is going to be, It's going to be interesting to see because now you're going – it's not backtracking. It's just a different identity from what you had to develop during the season. So you see Tyler Buckner now being able to do some of those things, hopefully, the screen game, the RPO game, high percentage throws, bucket throws down the sideline, seeing the running game now going what you thought it was going to be before the season, before your first couple games where you really struggled, having all those elements together – I think Tommy is now going to have a little more at his disposal than what he had, you know, the first two games of the season, for instance, what he was anticipating him having at his disposal anyway. So again, I think that my biggest thing about this one, Brian, is although Michael Mayer is not going to be playing and that's your biggest weapon offensively, you have more options, I think, right now than what you had in the beginning of the season, right? If it wasn't Michael Mayer, 
and it wasn't Lorenzo Styles, for instance, before this, you know, going into the season, you thought like maybe Brian Lindsay could do something for you, but Jane Thomas, maybe, but he was a wild card. Now mm-hmm. you have those twin, those twin towers outside. You have Jane Thomas who played good football during the stretch of the season. You have Lorenzo that's looked a little more confident the last couple of games and you have your run game going. So I think that Notre Dame just in a general sense, offensively, has more options to work with than what they did throughout the majority of the season, at least at the beginning of the season. So seeing that, I think, is what's going to give me hope and hope that you do see more of a Tommy Reese identity because having those options, I think, is going to allow him for being a lot more efficient in the passing game, which will be tremendous opportunity. Because, again, folks, I mean, we I, I hinted at this a little bit even to start the show, right? South Carolina is not a great fo- football team defensively. And they have already had a few guys opt out. I mean, Cam Smith, their best cornerback, is not going to be playing in this football game. He opted out for the NFL draft. Zach Pickens just announced the defensive tackle that he is not going to be playing in this football game as well. Notre Dame is going to have opportunities. There's almost going to be no spot on the field where you don't feel like Notre Dame is going to have an advantage from their offense versus the defense of South Carolina. But it goes way deeper than that. That's why we're talking about this, right? This isn't a... South Carolina preview and just of how to beat South Carolina, how to beat the Gamecocks and to win the bowl game and push to nine and four. This goes a lot deeper than just that one game sample size. This is an opportunity for Notre Dame to really push what your identity is going to be moving forward, not what it has been during the season. Because whether you want to admit it or not, the the personnel that you now are going to be boasting this season is going to look a lot different than what you anticipated it being early on in the year. So not having a Michael Mayer, having your running back identity, having Tyler Buckner back, having all of those things, I think that you now have a different possibility, different possibilities moving forward into the spring and into the fall next year. So that's some of the things that we're excited to really kind of dive into and take a look at for this bowl game offensively against South Carolina. We'll talk tomorrow, of course, about the defensive side of the football for Notre Dame. What are things that we can expect moving into that game against the Gamecocks? So that's going to close out this section of the podcast. But please do not go anywhere because as we do every single day, we're going to have a mailbag coming up next. But before that, you can please like this video, share this podcast, hit that notification bell. Five-star reviews are always uh, appreciated Excuse me, if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, we appreciate you all for tuning in, but this will end this portion of the Irish Breakdown podcast.